Lawanda, it's great to have you. For the guests of our podcast, Lawanda Burns is the Senior Global Learning Manager at PepsiCo University in charge of sales and procurement capability. And interestingly, is a winner of the 2020 Pepsi Company Chairman's Ring of Honor, of which only one-tenth of one percent of all associates are selected for. So we feel very fortunate to have you. So welcome. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be on with you today. Well, let's jump right in. Uh, Lawanda, how did you make it to where you are today? Uh, I'd probably start by saying, uh, Mike, I've had some pretty massive uh, family support. I actually grew up in a very small rural town, population of less than 3,000 people. Um, and in fact, my senior class, we had 52 people in my senior class. We were one of the biggest uh, classes in, in history at the time. So a very much small area. Um, not a lot of people went to college at the time and um, was the product of a single household. My father actually had passed away when I was very young. My mother never remarried, but my family just poured into me. So um, I had the benefit of just all their love and support. And I became a first-generation college student and then would later go on and get my master's and doctorate. Um, additionally, I, I may not look like it, but I've been married for a very long time, almost 25 years. And I have an amazing husband who's been a great partner as I've been able to grow my career and also uh, get advanced degrees as well. So I think for sure, family support. And then luckily along the way, I've been able to garner just some tremendous friends throughout the industry who've been just fabulous and helping me to support and being able to bounce ideas ideas and being candid, having candid conversations to really help me uh, support my career as I've moved forward. Wow, that is an incredible story. Yeah. Incredible story and super uplifting. Uh, what's your favorite thing about your role, your current role? Yeah, I, I think um, probably the thing I like the most about my role is um, in the past, I've done, you know, supply chain procurement sales. Uh, now that I'm in the learning and development function, it feels like I'm gone from leading teams to being able to impact them more from a development aspect. Um, you know, when I think about learning and development, it's really evolved. You know, in the past, it was a, a lot about training. And now it's about how do you help people build those critical competencies and skills in this dynamic market? I think about the pandemic and how it's changed the marketplace just like that. And being able to be in a space to give people the tools uh, where they can actually do their job effectively in this type of environment has been incredibly rewarding, for sure. And within that role, does psychology play a role? And if so, how? Well, 100%. So when I think about psychology, you have to really understand people and what motivates people. I think it is critically important. Um, you know, a few years ago before the pandemic, I feel like learning was very traditional, right? So you would show up for a training, the topic was set, uh, the time and date was set, you know, it was very traditional. And now understanding the psychology of people past the pandemic, we have this shift where work and life are blending. And so learners really want something that is tailored fit for them. So a lot of um, 
our sales team may be working from home. They don't have a chance to go and sit in a classroom for a day. So they've got to have that tailored made instruction, oftentimes in, in bite size. So being able just to really understand what learners need, what motivates them um, has been incredibly important. And I will say, because uh, in my current role, I, I work mainly with the sales learners, and I feel like having a sales background has really helped in that psychology of really understanding um, all the implications of, of their role um, as far as time and all the things that they're working through. That has been very helpful in me building programs that are tailored fit just for them, leaning in on those micro learnings for them or giving them the option um, for the virtual classroom has been extremely helpful. You mentioned um, the way we learn now. So the virtual versus in-person and clearly with um, with the situation of the course of the last 24, 36 months, it's been unique. Are you seeing that learners are more aligned to the virtual space? How do you see the future? No, I well, it's funny that you say that because actually post-pandemic, we were doing a lot of virtual training now I'm thinking there could be more of a hybrid shift, but, you know, even looking for just trying to stay abreast of all the uh, technology, when I think forward to my um, learning strategy, hybrid could take place. So I think we'll still go back to some in-person in addition to virtual, but I think even beyond that, I'm looking to see, you know, with this whole metaverse, how can we start to tap into that um, in order to do some learnings and to really impact learners in that way. And I think that could be the next iteration of the way things look like. And even though I say in the future, I think uh, maybe tapping into some things in that metaverse and being able to do training in that way could be uh, right around the corner within a few short years. Just building on that, do you think there's a difference in the way that different generations are are taking in information now, how they want to learn? So we hear a lot about Gen Y, Gen Z, the millennials. Um, is there a difference? Well, I think 100% there is. And when you look at the workforce now, I mean, we've got, you know, so many generations in the workforce right now. Um, it was funny because I've actually been doing some research on reverse mentoring. And as a mother, I can say, honestly, I've benefited from that as well. So it used to be in the traditional space. Um, the workers that have been there the longer mentored the younger. But when you think about this next evolution, um, especially in that virtual space and from a technology standpoint, I think being able to tap into that reverse mentoring, because I do think that that Gen Y um, really has that as a core competency and being able to tap in that to leverage the Gen Xs and then, you know, whatever boomers are left in the workplace, I think is going to be absolutely key. That's really informative. And you talked about um, a core competency. Let's take a pivot or turn to negotiation as a core competency. And how important do you see uh, the skill of negotiation throughout your career? So up until this point, I, I see it as a critical importance. You know, when I look back at my career, I think probably the most important aspects have been um, communication and then negotiation. And when when I think of negotiation, I always think of you know. In order to get something, you have to give something. Um, when I started my career so many years ago, um, I remember 
when I became that first kind of executive director level role. There have been so many times, Mike, when candidly I've been the only woman in the room. I've been the only African-American in the room. And so as I went to go grow that career ladder, um, some of the negotiating tactics I, I did was taking on extra projects and trying to be 100% on every aspect in order to kind of get to that next level. Uh, now, as I look at my career, you know, 20 years after the fact, and I think I still want that career growth. I still want that robust career, but how can I negotiate it in a, in a different way? So the, where I can bring my authentic self to that role, maybe I don't have to sign up for every project. Maybe I don't have to be 110% on everything. So just really working to negotiate with myself on what does that look like to authentically bring myself to my work and still be able to grow my career. And candidly, Mike, I can't say that I'm 100% there, but when I think about, you know, getting something to give something, I one of the things that I've learned is you have to be very uh, critically aware of what you're giving in order to get something. So I think, again, just negotiating that career path. One of the things that I'm working still today to negotiate is just to bring my authentic self, uh, female, uh, mother of four, African-American, and still be able to negotiate and, and grow that career ladder. If you take what you just said and you, you play it against that background of negotiation, do you see it as more difficult, less difficult, or similar internally versus externally? So you said you have a sales background. Clearly, you did a lot of negotiation. Is it harder to negotiate internally, career-wise? I say 100%, absolutely, because there isn't necessarily a roadmap. You know, I think about my my past in procurement and even sales, there's often this roadmap. So we go into like a joint business process and you follow the roadmap um, and you acquire those skills versus, you know, oftentimes being in a role where you're the only female, uh, only African-American. Sometimes it feels like there's less of a roadmap. And so some of the things that you're negotiating on in hindsight, you think, oh, you know, maybe I gave a little bit too much in that situation. So I would say internally, it's been harder uh, than externally, but still uh, critically important. Any top tips on the negotiations internally that you would pass along to your four kids? Anything that stands out? Yeah, I think the biggest thing um, that I think if I were to pass on to my kids as far as negotiation is, um, and I, I always tell them this, is part of negotiation, like I said, is trying to get something. And um, oftentimes you're giving something. And sometimes the things you give away, you don't notice right at the time. Um, so just to really uh, try to have a, a wide-eyed wide approach to um, what it is you're trying to get and being aware of what you may be giving away. And I think about myself as a working mother. So, you know, um, before the pandemic, you know, typically... I'd be working in an office. Sometimes I'd be there 50, 60, sometimes even 70 hours a week. And so moving to the next promotion as you're looking to grow your career, you know, being able to negotiate is that time. Do you really want to spend that time or being able to put out front that um, you can do the role, but maybe 
not put so much time in to be able to get things done in a more efficient manner instead of necessarily following the status quo. So those would be some of the things that I I would give to them versus early on in my career. There were some things I probably should have negotiated um, that I didn't because simply I didn't know how was uncharted uh, territory. So being able to kind of advocate for yourself and really understand what the implications are early on um, and advocate for those, if that makes sense. Yeah, very much so. It's, that's great advice. Any negotiation disasters that uh, you're willing to share? That I'm willing to share, that I'm willing to share. Um, Actually, there is one uh, that I could think of, and it was early on in my career. I was uh, leading a global procurement team, and we were working on uh, contract negotiations. And um, at the time, I was working um, for a value chain where price was critically, critically important to get the very best price that you can. And so I do remember during that negotiations, it got very tough, very contentious. And uh, the one thing that I learned from that is that whenever you're negotiating, it's important to be tough on the situation and not the person. So when I look back on that, yes, I got that contract price that I was looking for. But at the end, I think I ended up giving up a good working relationship that would have helped in further negotiations. So I think that was one of the things um, that I learned is that it's really, really important just to make sure to have good working relationships whenever you're negotiating. Got it. And how about when you negotiate outside of work? Well, let's see. Uh, As I said, I've been married for almost 25 years, so lots of negotiation there. And uh, with four kids, lots of negotiation there. Um, I think probably the most recent example, and I I think about this because here on the news, there's been a lot of talk um, about the college debt relief plan and and the cost of college. Um, As I said, I've got four kids. One actually just graduated from college this past December. And then one we took to to college as a freshman uh, this past week. And when we were looking at colleges, um, we went to so many. And as you know, college can be very, very expensive. And so the college that my son is going to now isn't necessarily his number one choice, but we really had to go through and just negotiate and say, okay, you know, where can we find something where you're, we're not going to be crippled in debt, where you can still get the education that you're looking for and it's still a be, um, we'll be able to manage financially. So again, as we dropped him off um, this past weekend, wasn't necessarily the first college of his choice, but still a great college. And we were able to negotiate so that when he comes out, he won't be crippled in debt. It'll be something manageable that we'll be able to pay off. So I think um, that's one example. Um, and I I don't know if I, I want to get into, but again, I've got um, social media is a huge thing around here. And if you ask me, I wouldn't want my kids to have any social media where they want it all. And so um, my second um, 
we actually came up with a social media contract and uh, wrote it together. And actually I signed and she signed and came to parameters on how much time and what platforms and how much access uh, that mom and dad could have to oversee. So just working through those types of things um, really, really helped get everyone on the same page. And of course, not everybody gets everything that they want, but it really is a mutually agreeable um, contract that we can all work toward. And I try to do that as much as I can um, outside of work with, with my family. Makes sense. And then you talk about social media and the way that that's playing a role externally and internally. Yes. Um, do you think there are different skill sets to be able to negotiate through text messaging? You know, used to be handshake deals in negotiation and relationships, as you talked about earlier. Are you seeing that some of that is going away? You know, it's funny because you're right. You know, there is this this whole text culture. And uh, I still do believe, particularly when you're talking about negotiations and building relationships, that this whole texting is a component. But I think in order to really, really have connections with people, I don't think the skill of talking face to face, even if it's via Zoom, um, will ever become obsolete. So I think, you know, for certain things, text is fine. But I think when you're talking about building, standing relationships, being able to effectively communicate and negotiate, I still think that face-to-face uh, is going to be key in, in making sure that you establish those critical relationships and to be able to effectively get that type of work done. That's great insight. I'm just thinking through the 25 years of marriage. I have <laughs> 15 on my side, and I think Text message is not our best medium. <laughs> yeah, no. And like I said, it serves a purpose. But when you're talking about like building connection and relationships, that face-to-face is key. And as far as, um, as far as PepsiCo, do you feel you guys are on the cutting edge of the learning journey now? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. I feel like, um, you know, one of the things I love so much about my role is just to be able to take time and build that long time term strategy. And I do feel like we are very forward thinking, especially as we're thinking about skills and being able to um, offer this toolbox to make sure that our people have the skills that they need in this market that is ever changing. I mean, when you think about from a sales perspective, how we sell today wasn't even necessarily how you could sell two or three years ago before the pandemic. So being able to look forward and constantly uh, relook at skills, reevaluate those skill gaps, and being able to be at the forefront of offering solutions so that as um, they're working in those situations, they have the tools that they need to be successful right now. I feel like we've done a very, very good job of that. I mean, clearly you've been successful within your career and it it shows not just in the award I mentioned earlier, but just in the engagement and the conversation that we have. If you were giving yourself advice, so, but you were your old self from starting out in a career, someone or someone similar who had the same type of aspirations, what would you say to them? Uh, I would say probably a few things, quite frankly. Um, I would say to always think of yourself as a lifelong learner. I think, uh, you know, being in the CPG business um, for over 20 plus years and how much it's changed 
And if I wasn't a lifelong learner, being able to constantly learn and upskill and reskill, I think that has been critical to my success. And I even think about, as I said earlier, um, I didn't go on to get my advanced degree until after I had been married with kids. So I would go on later and get my master's and doctorate. But I think it's critically important that you're able to learn and grow so that you're not stale and that you can stay abreast all the things that you know in your in the market. So I would say for sure, always be a lifelong learner. I would always tell myself to um, make sure that you're open to feedback and criticism. And I will tell you, Mike, candidly, early on in my career, not so much, but now I'm able to see the value in people giving you feedback so that you can learn and grow. Um, and probably the last advice that I would give myself um, as a working mother, and this was actually advice that had been given to me several years ago, but oftentimes we are juggling so many balls in the air. Uh, someone told me to make sure not to let the glass ones drop. So to really think about in your life, what are those glass balls, right? So if it's family, is it mental health? Is it physical health? Really understand what are your glass balls and to make sure that you don't let those drop. That's great advice. I have, uh, have one other question for you as we've gone through quite a bit of learning. Time management. So you you mentioned you didn't even go for the, the master's and then the doctorate until you were already pretty significantly along your journey, family and professional. How do you negotiate time management? Mike, can I tell you, I've been asked that so many times, um, and I will tell you candidly, when I went to get my master's degree, uh, I had just had my fourth. He was six months old. I'll never forget going into my VP's office and saying, I'm enrolled for a master's program. And he said, are you nuts? He's like, this job is, you know, so many hours, you've got a little one. Um, I would say the way that I was able to negotiate that, and even my doctorate, which was was just an absolute heavy lift. Um, I have an amazing support system. Again, my husband is my partner and him being able to, to kind of lift and shift and really work with me has been amazing. I would say the next piece of that is having discipline. You have to be absolutely disciplined about your schedule and to be able to stick to it. Um, and I feel like that is a core competency that I'm really, really good at. Sometimes in a bad way, because I can be so disciplined uh, that I don't give as much as I should. But I think having a support system, being disciplined and having a plan and being able to work the plan has been uh, paid off in spades and me being able to get that accomplished. And I'm very thankful for that. I have to say, we're we're very thankful for having the opportunity, and I am personally thankful for having the opportunity to speak to you, but just to to be within your sphere. And I, I just wrote down a couple things. Um, guidance, uh, Luanda's guidance, the you know, obviously be efficient, but you need to advocate for yourself in a strategic way. Tough on the situation, not always on the person. One of your early learnings and obviously open to feedback and be a lifelong learner, which is critical guidance. Um, and then how did you manage time? Well, you had a strong support system, but there's discipline in it, you know, which I think is uh, is really important. And lastly, if you're juggling a lot of balls, don't make sure or make sure you don't let the glass one slip. 
it listen this has been just a wonderful 25 minutes i really do appreciate it lawanda uh thank you thank you mike it's been a pleasure thank you <laughs>